Yo, Rodney, it's happening. What's happening? Hey, matcha, matcha tea, which I drink often mm-hmm. with an egg white. Oh, this is new. We've talked about yeah. matcha tea before, but with an yeah. egg white. Yeah. Like, do you actually guess. do you actually crack an egg and egg white it out? Yes. Uh, separate the egg white, which I do with the shells, and then uh, I f- I fluff it. No, I I, I um stir it. Mm-hmm. Agitate it, get it mm-hmm. all, get it all bubbly and stiff, frothy, frothy, and then I put that in the already frothy matcha, and then stir that some mo, uh huh, and just get this frothy, stiff, proteiny goodness. Yeah, that makes my matcha, and it's only on day like a lot of days I fast, so I don't put, I won't do this, but days when I'm not, I'll do that, and I'll throw some MCT oil in, throw some, uh, maybe I'll throw some butter in. Throw some cinnamon and some mm. nutmeg, and just have oh, and mm. some um, some uh, maybe almond milk. Yeah, mm. tasty, mm. interesting. Now, why? Just a different flavor profile, bro. Oh. You know, and you get the protein and the froth. You gotta have a froth. I mean, I, I'm t- I'm telling you, I keep saying stiff, like it's just strong froth. Like you could throw yeah. this froth at somebody. <laughs> you. Stop that man! Hold on. You want to make snowballs in LA? Crack an egg white. Hey everyone, welcome to the More In Common podcast. The safe place where we can explore the fact that we truly do have a lot more in common than which divides us and that it's amazingly difficult to actually uphold these divides and focus on the differences than it is just to embrace the commonality between us all. I'm Richard Hilton, fellow filmmaker, longtime listener, first-time contributor, and I'm happy to introduce to you today's show. Now remember, you can find all things More In Common related at their website, moreincommonpod.com. This includes previous episodes, some merch to pick up for fam and friends, blogs, and a plenty amount of referential links to dig into. And of course, if you like what you hear, give them a like in your favorite podcast app, leave a review. The guys are really good at getting back to reviews and including you in this amazing podcast. And spread the word. Now on to today's episode as part of 2020's A Decade Possible. This is season three, A Process. Today the guys sit down with Teddy, film composer, known for such titles as The Devil Wears Prada, Bombshell, Tropic Thunder, very few in a long, long list. And they just kind of get into it, talk about what it was like growing up, what was his musical uh, inspirations as a child and to now, and how he kind of keeps music fresh and relevant for his film scores, what his creative process is like, what it was like jumping into movies, and what it's like after having attained such a level of success, managing time with family. Hope you guys enjoy. You know, for sure, if I'd had a better sense of how hard it is, you know, that like the logic would dictate that it was a terrible idea. Um, but, uh, but I just had, I just had the confidence to, to push forward through it. Welcome back. Today we are with Theodore Shapiro. Theodore was born in Washington, D.C., and is a composer who has delivered memorable music for some of the funniest movies of the past 10 years. From upbeat, jazzy sounds of Devil Wears Prada to the jungle adventure send-up of Tropic Thunder and the sentiment of Marley and Me. He has scored over 70 movies, including as well The Wolf of Wall Street and Ghostbusters. 
His careful touch has made him a sought-after collaborator for some of Hollywood's leading comedy directors, David Frankel, Ben Stiller, John Hamburg, Mike Judge, and Harold Ramis. Shapiro is a classically trained composer with a bachelor's degree from Brown and a master's from Juilliard, who despite commissions for classical works, decided he'd rather work in film. He worked on the 2003 comedy Old School, and its success led to Shapiro's current status as Hollywood's go-to composer for edgy comedic fare. Welcome to the show, Teddy. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. Thanks for uh, inviting us into the this beautiful room, which is just, it sounds so nice. Oh, you, well, you know, this is a tuned room, uh, and uh, there's not a lot of echo in here. It's I don't, a good, I, there's no echo. There's no there. echo in here. Very nice. Yeah. That's uh what it's supposed to be that's beautiful so you said something um when when the pre-show uh you you mentioned that uh, one of the things you like to ask or the thing that you would prefer to ask a young person the most is uh, what are you listening to yeah what, why is that like what 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 comes from that question or where'd that come from well so so first of all um there, there's you know a part of it that's selfish which is like I want to just want to know what kids are listening to. Mm. Um, you know, I find that interesting. I find it just kind of interesting to to know what, um, you know, stylistically is is appealing to kids, uh, and it just helps me keep my ear attuned to to what's going on. Um, and then there's another piece of it. That is um, that I'm just when I'm talking to a young person, I just want to meet them where they are and not like, talk, you know, not they, they don't care about where I am. So so I, I find that to be a good way to get them to just sort of say something specific and and tell me tell me something about themselves without thinking they're telling me something about. Right. Themselves. Yeah. Because it ends up being a deeper question often. Yeah. Like the way. We could we connect with music in like such a deep, almost spiritual, like if that's your thing, or just on another level. For sure. Yeah, For yeah, sure. yeah. And and it's and, but it's also, um, you know, there is an identity involved in what you listen to as well. You know, it's your music uh, taste. I think says something about. Um, it says something about who you are. It also says something about how you are trying to present yourself. Um, and so that, that I think is just an interesting thing. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I like that for insight. My daughter, my two and a half year old is all about uh, Taylor Swift right now. Oh. She figured out that she can tell Alexa to play Taylor and she gets a Taylor oh, Swift mix. Right. And she's all about that. How's that for you? Um, uh, it's kind of cute. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. I mean, and of all the music she could play, like it's a little, you know, it's pretty harmless yeah. for the most part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I don't, I don't have a problem with Taylor, so yeah, it's cool. Okay, yeah, it's not my, it's not my go-to, right, right, right. But <laughs> right. you know, we typically, it's typically Frozen or Moana yeah. or something. Right. So it's kind of cool right. that she's branching yeah. out. Totally. totally. Uh, so I think music is. It seems like it's gonna be a big part of her life. So yeah. it's kind of cool. I mean, some of those songs are are great. I, I, I feel like. Uh, uh, some of those songs, especially on what's that? What's the album? Nineteen eighty. Nineteen. Whatever her birth year is, like yeah. eighty five, eighty four. Yeah, I mean, there's just some great pop songwriting on that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I don't. Yeah, undeniable. There's 
it's good like yeah, yeah. earworms and all yeah. kinds of stuff like yeah. yeah it's hard to to get rid of them yeah sure um um so you're classically trained and you've referenced in prior interviews that you took the leap into film. You even mentioned it in your bio that you decided, despite commissions for classical works, you decided you'd rather work in film. Yeah. So what made you take that leap, and how difficult was it to make that decision? It was really difficult. And um, so so the, the deal was that after I graduated from uh from Juilliard uh I I had some classical commissions I had some work in film and television and I was splitting my time between those things I had I had gone into grad school really with the intention of pursuing being a film composer that was what I wanted to do um I didn't really have an interest in the concert hall uh, but then while I was in grad school, I just developed a greater interest in concert music. And, um, and yeah, and so, so that when I started doing that work, um, you know, it, 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 it deepened my affinity for it and, and, and I just got more interested in it. And for a while, my career was sort of moving on these two parallel tracks, um, but it it came to a head in the early 2000s um, when I got I was offered a pretty major opera commission, um, which was really shocking. I mean, it was it was a, a a very prestigious opera company who heard this piano concerto that I'd written and offered me um, a commission. And it was it was genuinely shocking. Like I, it, it did not feel like you know they they had taken a chance on me as a composer. Um, and in the meantime, my film career sort of kept developing, uh, and I started doing studio films. You know, I sort of made the made the jump from working on smaller independent films to working on studio films, and and I was looking at this big opera commission and knowing that it, this was going to be a huge huge chunk of time it wasn't going to be just something that you could sandwich into a couple of months like it was going to be a massive undertaking that was going to pull me away from working on film for a long time um and it definitely felt like a a, a fork in the road um in the moment in the moment yeah yeah uh and you know, ultimately, I I felt like ultimately what I really wanted to do was to be a film composer, and and the opera commission was so um, you know it, it it was such an honor uh, to be given that opportunity that I felt obliged to do it despite honestly having a fair amount of misgivings about, about the form. Mm -hmm. Um, and was it like obligation to the fact that they were taking that chance? Yes, for sure. I definitely, I felt obligated and, um, 
And ultimately, interestingly, what what happened was um, there there was a little bit of a you know the the catalyst for ultimately deciding to turn down the opera commission, which is what I did, was that I after many years of trying to research what the subject of the opera was going to be, uh, I presented them an idea and they reacted very sort of coolly to it, uh, and that just felt like the moment to uh, to make the decision to to walk away from it so you felt a mismatch from their response yeah, yeah. and but but ultimately you know the truth is i you know i, I wouldn't want to pin it on them because the truth is that it ultimately helped me to get towards acknowledging what i really wanted which was to work in film how long did like that sequence of events take like to get to that place of doing what you want years and figuring it out i i mean probably at least a year and a half um it because there was a a very long time spent just reading things thinking you know just thinking about what what the subject was going to be, which is really difficult. Uh, I mean, opera is such a complicated, it's such a complicated medium. And, um, you know, I, I wasn't advanced enough to, uh, to realize that, you know, part of the, part of the deal, not to, not to, I don't, not to get in the weeds of, of opera, but, you know, Operatic, traditional operatic singing is such a specific kind of sound, and and to my ear, it's an archaic sound. Mm. So, whenever you're thinking about expressing modern language with an operatic vocal technique, uh, it is, uh, it, it holds out the potential to be silly. You know, it, a, a modern sentiment expressed. With, with with operatic singing can sound really really just silly and off-putting to the listener and so because um, it's not matching up it's... it doesn't match up in a world where we know what bob dylan sounds like mm-hmm. or you know or or what billy eilish sounds like you know uh those are the you know those kinds of voices are the ones that we now associate with delivering modern sentiment mm-hmm. and um yeah so 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 figuring out what kind of story an operatically trained voice sits in uh is really really challenging and and the path of writing an opera for non-trained voices which would have been sort of the more forward thinking approach was something that I just simply wasn't uh prepared at that time to uh from a, from to a skill set standpoint or it from just, a it desire it just would have required more uh, iconoclasm to go to an opera company and say oh hey i'm, I'm gonna write this opera for you and i'm not going to use any of the singers that you oh, want me to hire like right. this is going to be completely so you need a little bit of it would have freaked them out yeah probably and um and it just required more vision than i had yeah that make yeah i i could see that the um, you defined it as a leap, so you decide, like, you get that moment, you ask that question, 
and you decide that it's um not for you or because of that response you're like eh, i don't know if this is where yeah. i should go but you still define it as a leap to go into I don't know. I mean, I I wouldn't say that I think of it as a leap, like as in a leap of faith. I okay. mean, I, I think I think that it was um, I think that the, you know, to it, the extent that there was a leap, the leap was in just acknowledging to myself. This is what I really want to be doing, even though that there's this other thing which is more prestigious and which um which i have great respect for mm. um i mean part of the acknowledgement was that i didn't think i had as much to offer the world of concert music as as, as what i had to offer to film music mm. i was looking at the work that some of the other people were doing in that field and thinking um I don't have that much to offer that world. Really? Um and uh and maybe maybe foolishly, but that that was part of my thinking. So in the in the prelude, you said something that is uh really stuck out to me. You said I asked you what keeps you going and you said the next project, the next creative endeavor. Yeah. So there's a question there, but I want to come back to that cuz you then said being dissatisfied with all the previous work. Yeah. What what is what do you mean by that? Um all the work done before. Like is it you're just not you you're not connected to it anymore or you're like, ah, I can do better. Like that wasn't my best product. I think I feel like I can do better. Like there I, I always find something about what I've done before um that I feel a little bit dissatisfied with. I think I'm I'm getting better at appreciating my work as I as I progress. Um, you know, there are some things that I've done that I that I do feel really proud of. Yeah. Um, but for example, I might think um, something like, "Well, I did good work, but but the film um, didn't give me." a good enough opportunity to showcase the work. And that, and that is, um, that wouldn't be a knock on, on the film. It's just that every film has its own needs and, you know, and some, some films are these incredible canvases for writing a score Mm -hmm. and some just don't need that much and Mm -hmm. don't, you know, the, the best score for it isn't one that everybody's going to walk out of the theater thinking like, Oh, that was incredible. Is that so? What's the voice like in your head? Like when you, if you go back and listen to something, or you watch something that you scored, yeah. like What's the how? How are you? How how do you how, how do you experience that? Like what are you saying to yourself? Uh, unfortunately, sometimes it's literally uh, it's literally the words "not good enough," mm. um, and uh, and you know that's that's not something I'm particularly proud of or happy about. It's just, uh, I'm hard on myself yeah. and, um, and, 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 and those are the words that go through at my what, head as I watch. At what point do like, you see that? Like that, 
that piece? Is it after it's live? Is it at the end and you're just at deadline, so you got to get it out, but this you would have done better? Like, No. At what point do you reconcile that? It's, it's at the point at which I can't change it anymore. So it, mm. I think that there's a very, um, there's a self-destructive aspect to it where, you know, when I'm looking at something and it's in process, I'm thinking, this is pretty good. Uh, and then once it's over and I am seeing it sort of through the lens of of my work being seen and judged and from the, from the standpoint of not being able to change it anymore, um, at that point, my... Uh, you know, my tendency to be self-critical will, will kick in. We, um, how do you channel that positively rather than letting it be self-destructive? Well, by focusing on the next thing. Um, but, but, but I, I have to say that, um, I, I'm not happy with that answer. I, and I, and I am trying to be, um, yeah, be more embracing of, of my own work um, because, I, you know, I don't think that the answer is to go through life thinking that everything you've done is terrible and, and uh, but the next one's going to be good. Mm-hmm. Um, you why, know, I, why I, is it that you think that? Like, or what, what's changed in from whenever you pick that up to now? Oh, um, you beat me to it, young Padawan. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I think that I don't know. I I I I am maybe learning more about myself as I get older. Maybe um, maybe just you know as I go on, I'm I'm you know approaching fifty years old. I'm seeing you know life more from a midway point. And maybe that's, maybe that's helping. Um, but, uh, maybe, maybe I'm just writing better music. Um, uh, <laughs> you're just happier with the project. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's probably you, a combination of those things. Do you think that that, uh, that the sentiment, like that not good enough, that voice. Yeah. Does it drive you? Does it? Does it help you improve? Like, does it serve you? I guess would be part of the question. Do you think there's a place for it as you wrestle with whether or not that's the good enough answer? You know, for you. Yeah, I. I mean, I think that it it does in the sense that I think it propels me forward. I don't. I don't wallow in it. Um, in that feeling, I think it it tends to propel me towards the next thing as opposed to just depressing me or no i i was curious in that how much that function played into the decision to go away from the composing where they looked at it did you say oh i'm not good enough to do this or i feel more aligned to that and this is just my opportunity to go into film It, it was it was really both i mean I uh, primarily it was that what I always wanted to do was score films. Um, I've always liked the the wide audience of of film as a medium. 
Uh, mm. And it was just, it's just always been exciting to me. And, and uh, so, so that was, that was honestly the primary driver. Uh, secondarily, you know, I was just looking at, at work that, that other concert composers uh, were doing. And, uh, and I felt like, like, you know, <laughs> I should vacate that field to people like, you know, John Adams and Thomas Addis and, and people whose work I thought was really extraordinary and, uh, and, and, and that maybe had more to offer than, than I did. Last question on this. When you hear your bio and you hear about the works and how you're sought after, is is that voice still there? Like, not good enough? Like, or or do, oh, yeah. or do you I accept mean, I, I, that? I I um I hated the bio that 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 you read. <laughs> I mean, I like I I hated it. Uh, I mean, I first of all, like I, I you know, like being a composer for comedies is like that's like a um you know, like that's not the prestigious end of, of working on film. Mm. And, um, and so, so like being, being a comedy composer is like that, that's, that's considered to be sort of a, a, a ghetto of, of film composing really? and, uh, and something that you want to get out. Of. And so, yeah. So, so like, um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I hated hearing that. Wow. Yeah. yeah. No, it's interesting. What is it you, because, I mean, I don't take it for anybody's purpose. Personally, I think it's fascinating. What is it that you hate about it? Is it just that comedy angle of it? Like, the comedy angle of your career? It's not where you're headed. Like, it's not where you want to be. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not. Like, we think about this. Yeah. You know. So finish your thoughts, and you think about it. Oh, I was going to say, we think about this a lot because this journey that we've been on um you talked about self-deprecation you talk about a lack of confidence in certain areas um and being able to accept positive feedback has like rodney and i talk about this all the time it's really really difficult if someone says you're doing an awesome thing and it's hard for us to receive it or Mm -hmm. has been and it's been a journey of getting better at that so in a way, you know, seeing you on this personal journey of similar, I'm curious how much that plays into the bio or if it is just the nature of the comedy component of it. Um, no, it, it's the, it's the comedy component of yeah. it. It's, it's not, it's not, you know, it's not where I want to be. It's not the work that I want to be doing. I mean, it's, it's also not, doesn't represent a lot of the stuff that I have been doing. Um, but, but, uh, so partially not accurate, partially not accurate also, but yeah, you aspire to. Yeah, exactly. And, and like, you know, if you can imagine, um, you know, years and years of, um, receiving questions from either, you know, journalists or, or aspiring you know film composition students like do you feel like 
do you do you worry that you've been pigeonholed as the uh, you know yeah, 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 and yeah, and yeah. you know mm. all, all of which typecast yeah ty- have you have, have, have you been typecast yeah. like uh and 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 by the way you know I should I should say like I love a lot of the comedies that I've worked on I mean I, yeah, I yeah. I'm sort of be you're not poo-pooing s- comedy no my god and, and also i'd be an idiot right. not to be incredibly grateful for the work that i've gotten to do i mean uh it like i have an enviable career and and the work that i've done in comedy is responsible for that and so you know i think it's possible though to hold those two things simultaneously the 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 gratitude and yeah. and also the the dissatisfaction it's 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 wild how we can do that right and yeah. it's but i think you touch on something bigger here like because i think in life we do get t- i mean stereotypes exist for a reason typecast ex- yeah like there's only so much we can process but like somebody sees you do a thing enough or if that's the only thing they see they think yeah. that's you yeah and so it's i think it's why we get caught into the well what do you do that ends yeah. up being the first question that gets asked. Yep. Versus who are you? Right. Right. And and like what are you about? Because yep. it's like, well, you're a composer, but you're a father. Yeah. Your husband. Sure. Like like that's not who you are. It's not right. everything. But right. um but then when you're working towards a thing, or maybe you have a body of work in this area, it's like, yeah, well that's a part of yeah. the of the me. Yeah. But right. it's not all of and also by the way i'm headed here yeah like yeah, yeah yeah and if and if you're if you're connected to that it's like no nah, i don't really connect to this thing as yeah. much as this thing right. that i'm headed to yeah yeah especially because yeah, yeah. you said you're you're forward looking like you're not right you're not con- o- overly connected to the what's right. ha- what has that's happened. right yeah that's it's right. um it served its purpose kind of right is what i sense yeah time. yeah, yeah. I want to ask the first question that was part of that real quick because um, I want to talk about creation because you yeah, lit up okay. a little bit talking about creation. Yeah. And I think you described it as mm. a birthday gift, like kind of like getting a birthday gift. Yeah. And I kind of I got goosebumps when you <laughs> were talking about that because I I've recently discovered creation on a very rudimentary level. So I like what is what is creation for you? I mean, obviously, it's creating compositions, but yeah. like what does it mean to you, though? Um, You know. I, what I find is that um, I approach every movie like a puzzle to be solved, and oh, I, and I and I love um, I love puzzles. Like I like uh, crosswords and jigsaw puzzles and things like that. Like that, that's really fun to me. Because I'm sorry, just like because the music's you're you're telling a story along with the story of the movie. Yes. And you've got to make it fit and yeah. play with and play against sometimes. Yes. So you're So yeah, so the you know, the puzzle is just like what's the what's the code to telling this story? Like mm-hmm. what's the sound? What's the tune? You know, I mean, there's so many different uh so many different things that can help tell the story and and it feels like um, you know, cracking that code and finding the thing that's going to really elevate a film uh you know that's that's the that's the thing that i love about the process yeah and so you know my my favorite part of 
of the well, I have two favorite parts of the process of scoring a film, and the 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 first is you know after you have that initial idea, and and again like that could be like a it could be a melody, it could be just you know a some sort of a sonic identity, and in you know an instrument choice, whatever it is, uh, and and you've you know you've played it for the director and gotten positive feedback and you know so so you know um you know you know you're sort of on the track of something and and you've gotten some buy-in from your collaborator um like that's the part that's the most exciting where you're you're just sort of thinking like you know how can i explode this this one idea into you know into hundreds of ideas and so you know if it's a if it's a tune then you know you're thinking okay how can i like deconstruct that tune and turn it into like little little motifs and riffs and and things like that or if it's a if it's a sound um you know like what else can i do with that sound like what you know and and you know that part of it is just really exciting to me and um and yeah just you know makes me thrilled to come into work every day recording uh especially especially with a with a larger group um you know an orchestra is just you know recording an orchestra is just like a magic experience and um you know they make such an incredible sound and and you know when you're talking about 80 or 90 players in a room together you know there's something that's uh just inherently uh thrilling about about the sound that that group can make and um and is it and you kind of hear it come to light or like hear yeah it come there's together. a humanity yeah. to it yeah yeah well i mean you know the, so so in my process i'll make a demo with with samples and it sounds pretty good yeah. like like it sounds good enough that they can put it in so you've heard it come together oh yeah i've prior. heard it before okay and and the director you know the directors have been presented with something and without the caveat of like, well, it's going to sound much different yeah, later. Yeah. Like it, it sounds like the thing, but then the actual thing is so much better than, than the demo, which was already pretty good. So if you loved the demo, yeah, you said humanity. So like, yeah, putting like the bow strings and you got it. And, and so, you know, the thing, like the thing about in particular, you know, a string section. So, so, you know, you've got, uh, you know, say 50 players in, in your string section. And, you know, so, so with 50, let's see, that would be 14 first violins, 14, 12, 10, 8, 6. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, so, you know, one individual pitch is 14 players, and um, and by necessity, there's going to be a little bit of variation in uh, where that pitch sits with every player. Right. You know, or it's or maybe it's going to move a little bit, and like that's the life. Like that's the in thing the imperfect- that. Or, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The like, life is in the imperfections. Huh. And um, and not that it's not that it sounds out of tune but like it's just that's where you get 
the, that's where you get the sound of an orchestral string section, you know, is, is in, um, you know, in that sort of like chorusing of, of voices. And, um, you know, you can't, you can't get that with samples. When you sample, when you simulate it, it's perfect. Yeah, exactly. It's perfect. Sonically yeah, perfect. That's right. For, yeah. Does that play with your ears at all? I mean, cause you can hear it, you can hear the difference, but I mean, it, it sounds good. It's in pitch. It's in tune. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's as, not. It's not that, right. It doesn't sound bad. And when it, you know, when it sounds bad, we redo it. But, 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 <laughs> um, but, yeah. It's just it's the life that makes it sound like music. And then that whole thing. So is it after that second part, like recording? Is that the gift? Is that the the birthday gift like part? That is like... that part definitely feels like like a like a gift section. You know, I mean, I, there's always a there's a period, sort of when. When you finished writing, and um, but before you've recorded, um, and so like that's just a great feeling. Like like the writing part is over. There's nothing else for you to do. Like I always feel a little bit anxious, like right up until the last cue is approved, and then once like once I'm done with that, it just feels like the weight is off, and then. And then there's this period where, like, you know, I'm starting to see orchestrations come back from the orchestrator and just sort of paging through it, like, just looking at what they've done. And it's just, like, so exciting to me. And, um, and, I, and I just have that anticipation of, of hearing it live and, and having that experience. And that, like, that's the part that feels like, you know, anticipating your birthday. Yeah, that's cool. I'm curious to um go forward before we go way way back um like we talk about you know comedy and other things like what is the aspiration for you and how and like when it's when you retire what do you want the entire career to look like um i mean look the aspiration is just to, to work on really good movies that I, um, you know, mm. like, you know, to, to, to work on the movies that, you know, that I myself want to go see in the theater and, um, and to have, um, you know, to have a really meaningful process with my collaborators. And, and, and I am having that. I'm having the, the, the great process on, on the movies and and on the comedies for sure um uh but but you know like i just would like to first of all have variety um and and also you know uh i you know a, a, as much as you've heard me be self-deprecating um I hold myself in very high esteem, you know, and I, and I, I really do think I'm mm. as good as anybody, uh, at, at this job. And so, you know, when I'm faced with the feeling that like, like I could never be considered for X job, like I'm not really thought of in that way. Like that's, that's very sort of wounding to me. And, um, and I just want to, um, 
I want to fight against that. Yeah. So the question then I have, I'm curious, and if I'm not mistaken, it's since you were childhood. I mean, you mentioned it a little bit, but you always had a draw to to movies. Was it was yeah. it Indiana Jones that yes. that kind of captivated you? Yeah. Um, like what happened? The one, um, I guess, where does that confidence come from? Is I guess really like where, where to be able to say that. I mean, obviously, you need it to go and graduate from Juilliard and get commissioned for classical pieces and all the success that you have. But where does uh, that come from? Honestly, I I think that um, some of it it comes from uh, comes from my father, who um, I think I think that he. Uh, he had an an approach um, to life where where he just he made a decision that he just knew that that he was going to be successful at what he did, and um, and you know and without any particular reason to have that confidence, but he just sort of you know went towards the result that he wanted, and and it came out okay, and. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I feel like I, I don't know whether I just got that from him through osmosis or whether I, I remember him saying that to me at some point. Anyway, so it's saying that he was good at what he did or no, just or, saying that saying that he had he had confidence about sort of that things were going to work out mm, and um, and optimism. Yeah. And so I, I, I think. I think that in terms of the confidence in myself to think like this, I'm 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 going to be successful at what I do. That came from my dad. In terms of the confidence in myself to think that my work is good, you know, I I just um, I don't know. I, it, it's funny because you know I I, I recognize that I I'm saying on the one hand, you know, that I watch my movies and think not good enough. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> at the same time, uh, I collaborate with musicians um, whom I think are, you know, whose musicianship is at the very, very highest level. Pinnacle. They're, they're, they're the best at what they do. The right? best at what they do. And I... And I feel the mutual respect from them, and that gives me that gives me a lot of confidence. But also, just you know, I look at I look at the other work that's out there, and much of it is superb and inspiring. But I don't ever think I could never do that. Or like I'm not that good. John Williams blows me away to an extent where I think I probably can't do it quite as well as he can. It's for certain things, um, but but for the most part, um, you know, uh, for the most part, I I feel like I'm I, I'm as good as anybody else out there. I, I, the part with working with other collaborating with other artists. Um, it's kind of like like you belong in that room. 
It's kind yeah. of what I'm like. You yeah. realize that you belong in that room. I, I, I so do. you can and accept your skill. A hundred percent. And 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 that is you know, and that comes also by the way I should say with a very very healthy dose of like feeling for years like I was faking it. Sure. You know, Fake and to make yeah, 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 that whole thing. <laughs> um, I mean, a a hundred percent. I'm. You know, I mean, I, we're really kind of talking about a lot of duality here. I mean, yeah, it's possible to like like the not good enough. Yeah, like I I, I think now I'm kind of like collecting my thoughts as I'm saying this. Uh, the question earlier on um like what is that voice for you, and then understanding the how you accept your work. Um, you know, I think it's. And whether or not that serves you, then it's not good enough. Yeah. Because I think there's a degree to, you said it, it, it propels you forward. Yeah. It keeps you from wallowing, keeps you from being yeah. stuck and what wasn't maybe the way, you you know, maybe you had turned something in or somebody else had you adjust something and you didn't like it. And then it's like, yeah, I got to go. Like, and, and okay, I'm going to look at this different going forward. Yeah. Um, there's positive in that. And sometimes, like, I don't know, for myself, it turns into... I'm not good enough, which I think is the danger. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. The yeah. work, like, the thing's not good enough. Is right. different than I'm not good yes, enough. Yes, 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 yes. And there can be creep there. Yeah. In my life, there can be yes, creep there. for sure. Um, And and I think, this, like, this is so nuanced and so easy to not have this conversation. Yeah. Because I think, like, Keith and I, and I, I kind of mentioned, like, kind of get into this creative space. Like, we're creating content and podcasts yeah. and speeches. And it's really easy to conflate. I'm not where I want to be yet. Yeah. Or I didn't deliver that the way I see myself delivering it. Yeah. It down the road with, but I'm okay. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like yeah. I did good. Yeah. Right. For today. Yes, 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 yes. No, that's a, that's a really important place to get to. And, uh, and I, I'm probably not there, but, 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 but I, I totally agree. I think that that's, it's really, really important to be able to, uh, to honor, you know, honor the work that you did in the time that you did it. You know, it, I, I, I've often thought like that, that my job, but it probably pertains to almost anything. Like it's almost like a performance in the sense that like it's what you did in that time like you were on that stage you know maybe in in the you know in my case it was over a span of three or four months but like sure. you had this time you had this creative output you had a response to that creative output from your collaborators and you adjusted it and like at the end like that's the thing that you birthed and um and respecting it as a process rather than as a as a product to be right. judged yeah. um i think is a is really a, a, it's a useful frame for it um if you can get yourself if in you it. can get there yeah <laughs> it's hard it's hard yeah because because also results matter so, products matter. yeah 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 sure <clears throat> so it's like honoring all of that no, right no nobody nobody like well, nobody watches a movie and it's like you know i really respect the process of that <laughs> really terrible music but respect <laughs> that it took you time but i didn't i didn't like this yeah exactly right, right. <laughs> uh, that's funny. i'm 
forever intrigued. And this part kind of goes back to my question of where it comes from. And you brought up your dad. Like music in in that journey, especially early days, like how did how was the environment around you when you had this early passion for for music that led you to yeah. study it and, you know, go to one of the most prestigious schools for music in the world yeah. um, in Juilliard. Like, what was that environment that, that kind of brought you to that place? I imagine it was supportive. It was, it was definitely supportive. Um, so so my, my mom's father was a, uh, was a really fine musician, a jazz pianist, not, not, not as his job, but, but uh, as his hobby. Uh, a really, really terrific pianist you know had a great ear um and and unfortunately he got sick sort of before i was old enough to to relate to him as a fellow musician you know i and and so so i I, it was it's unfortunate that i never really got the chance as an adult to assess what his musicianship was but i just you know he could play jazz piano like a jazzer and and you know had had a really terrific a really terrific year do you so, remember do you remember hearing him oh yeah, yeah for sure yeah. for sure Just didn't get to have that conversation yeah and it's like you know as a kid like somebody who plays jazz piano like it's just a it's like a language in and of itself and like i my memory of it is was is that it was really good yeah. um but i don't um i don't have a, an, an adult assessment of that, that but um, so so you know we I, I grew up in a house where where music was important and respected um, and I was I was definitely encouraged and supported in my music um, you know including by so so my dad who was probably a little bit more of like a sports focused guy um, was also to his credit, you know, and in sports was important to me as a kid too, but, but he was, he was equally supportive of, of my music, even though he came from a background where music was not really supported and in fact ridiculed a little bit. It was something that was kind of funny if you did that. Um, uh, so he was also really supportive. The, there was a point, you know, when I decided to become a music major in undergrad, um, they became really concerned and they, they were, you know, they, they, they saw music for me as something that was going to be a great hobby, but that, you know, ultimately I would have a much more, I'd have a more secure job. Grow out of. I'd, well, and it was or, just that my, my profession would be something stable. Yeah, yeah, yeah yes. Um, yeah. Which, of course, is. Someone, someone's going to pay you. Exactly, and I, the, that story that we, and this, this is part of the reason why I ask, like, this is so relevant to what we are going through that uh, I, it fascinates me, those who did not collect that paycheck instead. Right, yeah, I mean, and, it, you know, it's so it's it feels ironic now just sort of seeing how, like, there, there, there are no steady jobs, you know, right. it's like, there's always a risk. There's yeah. always, and even if it's if it's steady, but you're 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 um you're giving up your soul every day yeah. to walk in. Yeah, like that, 
How steady is that? Yeah, exactly. That's right. I mean, it's, you know, I feel like, you know, I I love my job. I'm happy to come to work every day. Um, You give yourself birthday gifts. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And and so, um, so yeah, no, I mean, I just feel very, very fortunate that I, um, that I pushed through to do, to do the thing that I wanted to do. Um, How did you not? fall to the trap um i don't know i mean i guess i guess that's where the 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 my dad's you know ethos came into it that that you know even when they were sort of saying like look we just don't want you to be like a dilettante who you know thinks they're gonna be a musician and then realizes later how hard it was you know um i just had confidence that that i was gonna be able to do it and you know Mm. It, it, you know, for sure, if I'd had a better sense of how hard it is, you know, the, like the logic would dictate that it was a terrible idea. <laughs> um, but uh, but I just had I just had the confidence to, to push forward through it, which reinforces that nothing worthwhile is easy. Yes. Nothing worthwhile is free. Like, yeah. Like you, the satisfaction that I uh, hear in your voice, like when you say I love my job, it's not a. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> want to be here? Like, yeah. oh, you want to be like? <laughs> yeah, it's in a beautiful office. You, used to, you, before we were talking, like, you enjoy coming here. Yeah, um, it's not a you know, oh god, like I gotta go to work. Oh no, I mean, I, I mean, I yeah, I love it. Earn, I guess you kind of have to earn that right to 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 love what you do, and and it could be in any field. I sure, guess, really, sure, sure, sure. No, I mean, I feel like, you know, my uh, my my wife's a uh, law professor. And, uh, and she loves her job too. And she, like, I see her, you know, she's obsessed with her work. You know, she's always writing articles and, and, you know, I see her in the same way, like kind of dashing off to like scribble down some notes. Like when I thought we were in the middle of a good conversation, um, and, uh, and, uh, yeah, so, so no, I mean, it, it, it can be in any field, but but having that, having that love of your work and and being creatively inspired by it is a gift. That is, it, no, it is, it is, and I'm seeing that more and more daily. And I think it, it like Keith's saying it, like it just fascinates us when we meet people that have connected to it uh, at an early point and stayed with it. Yeah. Regardless of the levels of support, I mean, you had good support. Like, um, it sounds like that 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 really helped. Um, but you know, sometimes you get people that just only had one person, yeah. or nobody, and yeah, 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 believed in themselves, right? And it's just fascinating. Yeah. Um, it's it's learning, yeah. for us, and ho- hopefully, for people listening. Um, um, I want to talk about work and efficiency. Uh huh. You you said like so much good stuff in the preamble, by the way. But uh, uh, becoming more efficient since having children. Like what's let's talk about that because it's something Keith and I have this daily video series we yeah. do and uh, trying to detail like the journey yeah and and how we get our day job and this and our side hustles done yeah. and have two kids and right. have wives and right like, care about them and yeah. around like what is that like talk about that a little bit for you so it uh my my wife and I just decided that we were both going to be committed as much as possible to being home at 5.30 every day. Uh, 
you know, be home with our kids, have dinner together as a family, uh, you know, that that was going to be a priority. Uh, and so, you know, I, I work in a field where long hours are, are common. Uh, and I was certainly, you know, accustomed to working later hours than that. Um, so I just, um, I just forced myself to be more efficient and, and, you know, I've always, I've always considered two minutes a day to be a decent benchmark for, for, for music, um, to, music to picture anyway. Oh, two minutes completed. Or, yes. Yeah, two yeah, minutes yeah. completed. I was like, wait, what? Okay. Yeah. Um, that can be. So, how so, much work goes into two? Like, well, it totally depends. Like, like, so some, um, some, like, if you're working on an animated film and it has, you know, and you're, and it's an action sequence and there's a lot of sort of like very busy writing and, you know, the strings are doing a lot of crazy runs and things like that. That's a lot of writing, two minutes. And, and sometimes I fall short of that. Sure. Um, on the other hand, if you're doing something that's like a moody, spacey, you know, uh, dramatic thing, two minutes is not that hard to write in a day, you know, because there's not that many, <clears throat> you know, the music isn't busy, it's spacious, there are fewer sounds, and, you know, and it can just sort of stretch out. In that arena... That gives you a good average... Yeah, exactly. Benchmark. That's you. exactly right. I, I, I generally figure... If I keep writing two minutes a day, I'm going to get to the end of my score in yeah. time. And um, so, yeah, so, so you know, I just, uh, I'm just very intent on when I'm at work being really, really focused, you know, try to stay off the internet, try to, you know, avoid, um, you know, just avoid distraction as much as possible and um and somehow or other like i've sort of stayed as productive you know in this time frame as i had ever been i was gonna say and you said at the same time earlier that it wasn't until you had kids that you learned to be more efficient um is that where the 530 came in and I mean, you said it jokingly, but I think there's some relevance to the statement. Oh, it, uh, yes, a hundred percent. I mean, it it was that it was that I wanted to be home to be with my kids at five thirty every day. Uh, you know, there was, uh, you know, first of all, you know, we I wanted we wanted to eat dinner as a family, wanted to have some good quality time uh, with them before they went to bed. Of course, now they go to bed later than I do, but, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, but, but, but when they were little, you know, like seven thirty was, was bedtime. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah. and so, yeah, if you wanted to have quality time with them, like you had to, had to get home. What well, do do you find yourself it's, plugging um, back in? I mean, your office is far from home. Like, do you plug back in later to work on things or do you stay out once you're I stay out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, first of all, I, I can't really I guess I, I can sit at the piano at home. Mm -hmm. And um and that's actually 
a really nice thing to do because you're working but in a in a pretty different way especially like if you're working um you know in front of picture and then you start working away from picture it just activates different kinds of ideas and you're not quite as reliant on on just what you're seeing in front of you so so there can be real advantages to getting away from picture and writing meaning i'm just i'm looking at your studio here so you're actually watching what you're writing for correct while you're scoring exactly and so being at home with just a piano no screen yeah put you in a different space that's right might be able to explore play with something that you didn't see exactly right exactly right yeah the efficiency it's funny how that works um we heard I heard an Olympian on a podcast once. <laughs> Keith was <laughs> you beat me to it. <laughs> she uh, <laughs> was it. Um, Carrie Walsh was it one of the? I think yeah, I feel like it was one of the um, beach volleyball. Yeah, yeah. The American beach volleyball. <clears throat> yeah, I think it might have been. Yeah. Um, yeah. Talking about pre-children gold medals and uh-huh. post. Yeah. And how she does less gym work, but she's far more efficient. Right and right, you know, like I wonder, like there's there's a part of it that has to do with you you put all this time in honing your craft, yeah, and and you had the space to put you know eighty hours, ninety hours, whatever yeah. it is, into it, yeah, which is really helping you get good, and then you get to a point where it's like, oh man, I really want to focus on this, but I still want to do this well, and then you can kind of evaluate it and see like, oh, there is some fat, like, yeah, yes, I don't actually need these hours like I right can, i can i can do this more efficiently yes yes it's, and you know rodney alluded to the daily series and we talk about it a lot just i i've found that since having children it's allowed me to do more as well right. um just because there's much more of a focus and energy on the time that you have right. to do whatever it is and then you kind of cut out all that fat yeah yeah that's yeah. right i guess it's yeah it's it's helped me zero in on what's important Mm-hmm. Not that I don't spend, you know, an hour still on social media, but <laughs> um, a lot of it's for the business. Like, yeah, there's there's a, a a purpose, but yeah, it definitely helped me cut into like what's um, what's important. And then you talked about process earlier. I think I've become I actually I think you talked about it with this, like codifying a process. Like, what 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 are the things that are repeatable? Yeah. Where can I have other people help me? Yeah, um, which has been big for me. Like, yeah asking for help and like yeah. actually taking that to accomplish more. Yeah. Um but like setting a process and then re- evaluating it. Yeah. Like to tighten it up and like yeah. let's get tighter, let's get tighter, let's get tighter. Okay. Now let's move on to the next thing. Right. It's really helped me. Right. Do now how successful are you at getting home? like what is the variance to the five thirty rule? I mean, oh. out of curiosity. I mean uh first of all, you know if I'm in a situation where, you know, if I'm in a situation where things are crazy and I need to work late, I work late. I mean, I, you know, it, sure. it's not, it's not hard and fast, but, um, but those times are pretty few and far between. I mean, yeah, it, you know, I would say there've been a couple of, of, of times, you know, where just things got so crazy that I, that I had to had to be working late, but you know, for the most part, um, for the most part, I've I've been able to stick to that schedule, and 
And the other thing that I've found is that, like, the hours between, you know, because I'm working so hard between whatever, 9 and 5.15, like, the hours from 5.15 to 7.30 and onward, like, they're not that great for me anyway. Um, and oh, Like, creatively. Yeah. Yeah. It's like yeah. my best hours are earlier. Yeah. And um, yeah. so... So, at, you know, at a certain point, I might as well just get home and try to, like, like... The work diminishes. Like, the return on the investment yeah. of time is shitty. Totally. I, I, I find that. Yeah. 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 I bet we yeah. probably, many of us would. Like, even with sleep, I see that, right? Like, I'm like, oh, I push into my sleep hours to get a little bit more done. Yeah. How my efficiency definitely drops. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I'm losing sleep, so my next day efficiency drops, and my energy, totally. like, then it just... Spirals. Yeah. Right. No, I'm a big believer in back loops from hell. Eight hours, eight hours yeah. of sleep. Yeah, it's it's um. I think one of the the fine rules of establishing rules is that actually establish something that you're committed to. Yeah. Um. You know that five thirty, because you want it. Right. Not just because it. You know, we've talked about this um, relative to why we do our daily video, which was tied into this idea of you know how often do we hear you know, the, the 5 a.m. club, right? Like, wake up at 5 a.m. and get your best work done. And it's like, that's a cool rule for people who can wake up at 5 a.m. Yeah. and get their best work done. Um, but really, what does that actually look like? And where does it where does it fit? Because if, if you find a rule like that, these rules that some, you know, have been very successful with, but you don't find that the methodology that works best for you, it's like, yeah, well... That didn't work for me. Yeah. Well, it's because you didn't fit the rule in right to your lifestyle. Yeah. And I mean, I'm I'm with you a hundred percent. Like my my day ends at five, yeah. because you know my kids are three and one, and bedtime is bedtime, yeah. and it's not a simple process all the time. Yeah. So um, dinner's not a simple process. Next thing you know, dinner's over, and we're a half hour away from going to bed. Yeah. So making those rules because they matter and sticking to them and then you know the variance actually doesn't happen as often yeah. as uh, you would think when it actually fits your lifestyle and your in your schedule and your personality yeah right right yeah. fantastic conversation yeah thank you great um what do you what do you want to leave everybody with today like what's the, what's your last nugget of whatever wisdom thought hmm. well um I mean, honestly, I, you know, the, the thing that pops to mind, given the conversation that we had, is um, just be kind to yourself. That's, that's really, um, that is, that's a life struggle. Um, it's a life struggle for me, and uh, it's a life struggle for, for everybody in my family. Um, and so I feel like it's, you know, it's something that, um, something that, that I think everybody or, or that many people struggle with. And, um, but, uh, you know, what you, what you can, what everybody can do, I think, is just be aware, be aware of that issue. Like be, be, a, ask yourself the question, uh, are you being kind to yourself? And uh, and sort of t take up take up that struggle uh, to do it as much as you can.